You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, Make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so glad you could join us for another ENM mini episode. As you know, I'm Krista Harden, the host, and I am today taking you through four ways to love your spouse. And I really want you to feel like you get refreshed today too, not just recharged for loving them, but also that you feel re renewed and known and that you feel like you are getting a reflection of what you need. And whenever I'm here with my business or with Enneagram and Marriage, which the two go together, my reflections, counseling and coaching business and ENM, and our goal is always to be a reflection of Christ to those we serve, even if we don't know that person or that person doesn't share our faith. So today I'm going to do just a couple of readings at the end of the episode to follow up the four ways of loving your spouse. And if you want to stick around for those and just meditate on the verses I'm going to be sharing and also the poem that I'm going to be sharing from one of my favorite poets, then I think it'll give you an added boost of recharge just for you. But first, let's talk about the four ways you can love your spouse. And I know that along with me, you probably have some of them that you're really good at and others that when you're listening, hopefully will prick you in a good way to want to do this. Because I think our end game is that we would be really good at intentionally loving our people, right? We always end every email with love living intentionally with you. And you hear that at the beginning of our episodes. And at the end, we just really want to make sure that you are aware that you have the choice to love or to bring sorrow and desolation to your family. And we want to make sure that there's more and more healthy people out there. And I want you to be one of them. I'm so proud of you for listening right now. I'm so proud of you for putting one foot in front of the other, maybe even literally if we're on your walk and talk together. If so, yay, good for you getting those steps in. (laughs) But either way, um, I just want to tell you that I'm really amazed at getting to be on the journey with others. I truly was blessed when I heard the Lauren Daigle song at the end of one of my bar classes this past week. And it was the song Rescue. And I know it's an oldie, but a goodie. And she was really just belting out as only a Lauren Daigle can. Of course, she has that amazing deep voice and so rich and powerful. And she was reminding us that God sends out an army to find us when we're lost. And so I just, I feel like we get to be a bit of that army for each other. We get to be out there reaching across these sound waves together and just I see that there are people listening and I'm like, yay, we're doing this work together. And sometimes you write us and tell us and we're so encouraged and thankful because it's beautiful 
to have community and fellowship when you are trying to do something hard. And that is what we're talking about today, right? Is loving our people even better, taking an extra measure of love. And that is often something that they might not even like about us if we don't do it with balance. So I wanna help you to do that with balance so your spouse doesn't see you as coming to them as a codependent person who can't stand up on their own two feet because that's never the goal. You definitely wanna know that relationships have an interplay and that you have to be aware of that. And that does take some social skills. And if you don't have them naturally, then you can actually go to a counselor or a coach and get those because that's part of it all is knowing that you can't just use these skills that I'm giving you today 24 seven and then wonder why your spouse is like running in the other direction because they're like, you, you're loving me all right. You're loving me to death. So we don't want that for you. But I'm still gonna talk about these four ways of loving and hopefully you can add them back in with discretion if some or one of them is missing right now. And I hope one of them, like I said, will prick you in a good way. So the first one I'm gonna discuss is Eros. And that is the kind of love that, and I'm really enjoying walking through C.S. Lewis's four loves, but Eros is one that he describes as the in love feeling. And some of you have that. You're just sailing through life together. You're in a beautiful season. You're enriched by one another and you're enjoying one another. And sometimes that's even mid-marriage or later in marriage. And I know C.S. Lewis himself said he enjoyed it at 59 and he wasn't married very young and he didn't have that experience. So I don't want to only say you can have it as a honeymoon phase, but I want to help you to understand that it's a beautiful part of love. So it's a good space to move. And when I say being in love, I mean this infatuation time with one another where you're like, oh my gosh, like you're amazing. And I just want to be with you. And I'm absolutely enraptured with you. And I know my dad had a lot of that for my mom, even all through their marriage. And I have so many poems from him toward her that was just I mean, they're just beautiful poems and many of the comments still stand out in my mind and it's just beautiful to be loved like that. But even that has to come in balance because at times that can be overwhelming. And I know something with my mom was that she did get overwhelmed sometimes by when that love became obsession and when that love could not let go and when that love became so jealous. So I want to just remind those of you who have such a strong sexuality or jealousy right now that that it's healthy to have some of that. But to be aware of balancing that with other kinds of love is going to be so important. Not only that, some of the people that I've seen in counseling or coaching over the years have told me, gosh, my parents had so much of that sexual love that we didn't always get as much as kids. And I, being a seven, will tell you, oh, I had this was a great experience in childhood. My mom and dad were often behind closed doors to themselves having fun. But when I stop to think about it with you guys, I realize some of that is just me reframing as as a seven. And there are a lot of lonely hours spent while the two of them were behind closed doors too. And that's not a practice I've chosen to carry into my own marriage. Now, does that mean I never go behind closed doors with my spouse? No. But I don't think that an excess of romantic love is healthy for your marriage if A, your partner says you're coming on too strong, B, 
if your jealousy is out of control or C, if you're raising children and they need your attention. So make sure that you are balancing that out and talking about it because I want to really hone something in here. We're all going to have different strengths and areas of, you know, feeling about these four loves. And you might be the spouse who's a little bit more practically minded and your spouse is really romantic and they want that time with you. So allow each of you to lean in, not just one of you, because I can just imagine you running home and saying, you know what? I was reminded on a podcast by a specialist today that you need to get off me. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is balance it out along with the other forms of loving so that you guys are saturating each other, your family, and your community well. So make sure you're looking at that. And if it's jealousy that's really tripping you up, make sure that you really address that with God and also with your partner so that you guys can set healthy boundaries and figure out what the triggers are and see somebody for therapy if the triggers actually after talking it out, you can just put yourself in your spouse's shoes and you're like, you know what? Like, you're right. I am probably overly jealous, but it's still hitting me hard. So let's be honest and let's figure this out on a deeper level. Do I have some trauma? Do I have another relationship from my past that's getting in here? Do I have an attachment wound with you I want to work out? So don't forget to ask for help as you process this overwhelm of eros. And if, like I said, you're the spouse who has too little of it and your spouse is coming to you, you've got to lean into it some because leaning into, you can't force a feeling of being in love, but you can definitely choose your thinking about your spouse. And you can say, there are awesome things about them that I am choosing to see that endear me towards them. I choose to be positive towards them. Okay. So the next type of love kind of really reminds me of this one. And this is more of an affectionate love. And this one is what C.S. Lewis calls the orgy. And I'm just going to say affectionate love. (laughs) Word sounds kind of strange to me. But I really like to remind you, because this goes so well with the Eros kind of love, that when you are having affectionate kind of love, and it could be towards your child, towards your spouse, towards your animals, you love somebody because of who they are, not just because of how they look or how they act. And I loved C.S. Lewis's example that he reminds us that we have a love for our partners and our spouses beyond a woman's attractiveness or a man's strength. And you can reverse that for if you're the couple who likes like, no, I'm a female and I love for my spouse to be handsome. And I'm a male who loves a strong woman, like whoever that is, the masculine, the feminine energy. I want you to really understand that Although we said that can be intoxicating, I really want you to know affectionate love is important too in a marriage. And that's just a love that says you're mine and I love you because you're mine. And I am not really a visual type. So that's the kind of love I came to Wes with. I thought he was cute, but, uh, even to say that makes me a little cringy as a seven. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm going to admit to having a feeling like, no, I just liked your mind. And my friend had even come up to me and said that he was cute and I should really pay attention. And I was like, A, I had a boyfriend at the time. B, I don't really care about that. So I think that it's really important that you pay attention to if that's you, that you're A, normal, that's just your affectionate love coming out, that you can find comfort and enjoy people because they're your people. And doesn't mean 
you don't have any desire for attraction or that I don't, we do, but it may not be as present as it is for some. Um, And for those who uh, have such a high visual appeal, I think that we can lean into some narcissism here and we need to pay attention. All of us can fall prey to this, by the way, uh, that we don't overly indulge in okay, I love you because you're physically strong or I love you because you're physically attractive. And so that's something to pay attention to is that love is also just knowing, just being comfortable or familiar. And another quick example Lewis gives is of a little child playing in the garden with their old gardener. And there's such an affinity just for the recognition, even if the gardener doesn't have the status of the child and is wizened. uh, It's important for us to realize that that's going to happen in life. We're going to get older and we need to love each other no matter what. And that's one of my strengths. I'm grateful for that one. And you might have, as we talk these four through a different strength, but I like that because if something's mine, I love it and I care about it and it doesn't matter what it looks like. And somebody recently said something about the Velveteen Rabbit. And I think that's a great example is just loving people because they're real and because you care about them. Now, another kind of love is the friendship love. And we call that filial love at times. And that by some of the great thinkers of the world has had an extremely high place and in some cultures higher than romantic love because Friendship love is so powerful. And you might remember this if you're a Bible scholar, David and Jonathan's love and Ruth and Naomi. And there's just different people who are like, you know what? Like they took Ruth and Naomi's mother-in-law and daughter-in-law love and placed that in many marriage vows of today. And I think it's really important that we look to see that friendship loves means it's a friend we choose. And it's that love that says, you know, really you, me too. And I like how C.S. Lewis says that because it is a beautiful gift to one another to be able to say, you know, wow, we are nurturing our love and we are remembering that we have things in common and that's a beautiful gift to both of us. So let's nurture that. And I know in one of my earliest books I wrote for my couples I work with called Relate, I really enjoy helping people to see that they can enjoy a love that has commonality, even if they're totally different opposites attract. I have each partner write down a list of things that they love about each other and, uh, you know, things that are their favorites. And then later, Later, I have them write down what are some things you have in common, even though I also earlier had them write what they don't have in common. And why I do that, of course, is to find out like, what are we both passionate about? That's where friendship comes in. And that's another beautiful aspect of love. And I know some of you are really good about this kind of love, but maybe the first two I mentioned, you're like, nah, I kind of judge them on looks a lot. And I'm not super interested in them romantically, or I come on too strong. But maybe this is your sweet spot. And you're really good at that. And you can help to bring your spousal glow out brighter because you bring this in and you're like, I am here for you because we have so much in common and you're so much fun to talk to. I know that's what I said to Wes on our date night this past weekend. And I was like, we always have something to talk about or we always have a book to read. And I'm really grateful for that because I know that we can be quiet together and we can be loud together and there's lots we can do. And it really made me feel happy because when there's ebb and flow in other spaces for us, This is a love that we can continue to come back to and nurture and water. So remember this friendship love. And then the last one is agape love, and that is a godly love. And I think that's my goal when we're really, like I said, talking about intentionally loving each week. I really like to think about how we are loved with agape love by God our creator, and we want to offer that to our spouse, whether they're always deserving of it or not. And we're called to really 
really lay down life for one another if you're a person of faith and really show up big. I mean, even if you're not a person of faith, but you're somebody who really wants to show up beautiful in the world, you know the concept of love and you know that it doesn't always have its return. It's not always about how I'm going to get something back. And in fact, we really work hard on our Enneagram work for it not to be like that, where we're like, I would love to believe there was a tiny bit of altruism or just good deed doing without expecting a reward. And I think that's a very humble place to come in. And it's it's something that we want to do in quiet, without bragging, without showing off, and just doing that. And I think our kids see that when we do that, and our neighbors and our friends. And I think it's a beautiful gift you can give to your spouse versus, of course, when people come in to see me for marriage work, it's going to be by necessity, hey, they didn't do this, they didn't do this. And I appreciate that. And I think that it's helpful to move towards romantic love again, as I said, and towards the friendship love again and towards the affection, but I also want to cap it all with this love that says, I just love you because I have love from God. And in order to have that love with God, I think we have to have a relationship with God. And so while you don't have to have a relationship with God, I want to help you to remember this nurture of your spiritual essence. And today being Ash Wednesday's episode, I loved that it timed up so well. It's nice to be able to just take a moment and a pause together if you want now to really just think about that for a moment. And if you're saying goodbye to us because you don't want to do that part of the episode, that's okay. Make sure you grab one thing from today's episode and try to balance those four loves out. But I want to remind if you are coming towards this part of the episode with me, make sure that you take some time today or soon to even just have five minutes with God to be thoughtful and thankful for the love that has been poured out to you because it is exhausting to just give, give, give to a spouse if you're forgetting that God is there for you. And it usually for me takes a time of if I'm frustrated about something, some discharging of lament. Just here's what's frustrating about life to me today. Really, here's what's causing sorrow or remorse or maybe a past decision I made that's caught up with me or a past memory I have that's caught up with me about somebody else. But it helps me to grieve. It helps me to really spend time with God. And I think we see that all through scriptures. And we also see that on a day like Ash Wednesday, we're remembering our own sorrows and our own fallibility. We're remembering that we try to do good, but a lot of the time you get up saying, I'm going to do good. And then you're selfish and you don't really do as much good as you wanted. And, and there's nothing you can exactly give back to your creator because you can do good back, but there's always going to be things that you don't do perfectly, right? Because we're just not perfect. So it's just a place of saying, I'm humble. I'm grateful that I have gifts. Of course, I never want you to leave this podcast thinking you don't. I don't want you thinking you don't have purpose or value or that you're not beloved by God. I do believe all of those things, but I also, love that Ash Wednesday is a time for us to say, I'm really grateful. I'm just so grateful that you love me despite the mistakes I make and despite the fact that I get annoyed and frustrated and I don't always do the right thing. And sometimes I'm selfish ahead of my spouse or my kids or my mother or my father. So I'm going to read Psalm 51. And you can pray this with me. And I'm then going to read a little bit of a beautiful poem that is by Jan Richardson, one of my favorite writers. And then we'll just close with a prayer as we take this with us. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And moving on to verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There's more there, but I just love that. I love that we can sit there with this and pause and and really reflect on how good it feels to give back to God this at least, to say thank you for your sacrifice. And the last part of this scripture, verses 16 and 17 say, you do not delight in sacrifice, God, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And there's such peace in that. There's such peace in knowing that despite being imperfect, you're loved. And God doesn't need you to bring great sacrifices, but there's just an awareness of humility this Ash Wednesday together that our world is broken. We're not on plan B anymore. Even after A was not going very well, we're we're like on plan Z minus T3. I don't know. I'm not doing algebra right now. My daughters are, but you get my point. We're, we're not in the realm of what is ideal, but we can still admit it. We can still say, man, I have fallen apart at times or I have made some bad choices, but you know what? I'm thankful for God and I'm thankful for this restoration and the fact that there's a lot of grace for me each day, despite the hardships. So after you take that time to lament, you come into a space of gratitude. And I'm just reading briefly from Jan Richardson's poem, and I'll share this in the show notes as well. This is her poem, Blessing the Dust for Ash Wednesday. And I'm not going to read it all, just pieces. Take some deep breaths as you listen. All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners, or swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the day we freely say we are scorched. This is the hour we are marked by what has made it through the burning. This is the moment we ask for the blessing that lives within the ancient ashes that makes its home inside the soil of the sacred earth. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are, but for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made, in the stars that blaze in our bones, in the galaxies that spiral inside the smudge we bear. I'm so grateful again for your time with me today, for knowing that God can do so much with the dust. And I love how Jan reminds us that the stars are made of dust. And you know, we talk about that glow here and it all works together. And I just want you to shine out there with not only these four loves, but with the sensation that despite failing at times, you're beloved, you are awesome, you are sparkling And I know that that sounds trite, but it's true. So go out there and do it and let people judge you. Let people wonder about you being so brilliantly loving, but let them see that you are loved by God 
and that you are not codependent, but that you are loving your community and your people with gratitude and with intention and with bravery and joy and hopefully some fun too. And now we're getting into our end. So (laughs) have a good day and make sure you sign up for our coaching course. If you really want to learn how to work with couples, we would love to have you. We are doing just this one 2023 training and I hope you have such a blessed day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.